Well, welcome to another new broadcast week here on the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Another day, another Donald Trump indictment. I don't know how else to describe what's going on here, but we're going to give it our best shot. You know, I mean, we, Father's Day is coming up. We've got an opportunity for you as a Bottom Line listener to partner with us and Dennis Wilson and our friends at Preborn to get an ultrasound machine into a preborn clinic by this Sunday meet our matching gift of $7,500. We are about $1,000 into that gift right now, and we're looking for some heavy hitters. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, B-A-B-Y, or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com, find the preborn banner, click on the links, it'll take you, if you've got autofill with a credit card you want to use, it'll take you 30 seconds to make that donation. Completely tax deductible. Every dollar that is donated right now will be doubled because of a matching gift up to $7,500. Once we hit $7,500 in donations, then we uh, unlock that other $7,500 match from Dennis Wilson. $15,000 donation later, one more preborn clinic will receive an ultrasound machine. And I just, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun to, uh, uh, to bless one of these organizations with us. And the thing about it is too, as I talked about before, Fathers play an equally important role in this whole process as to whether or not the child uh, winds up living or dying in terms of these decisions. And the number of women who are coming to faith in Christ because of what preborn does and the way they present the gospel and the medical treatment that you need, you can't beat it. Absolutely cannot beat it. So, I mean, five, six, seven thousand women came to faith last year. I mean, it's incredible. Every $28 donation means another ultrasound. Every ultrasound, 85% of the time, mom chooses either to be a mom and raise that child on her own or with her husband or um, to uh, release that child for adoption. So 833-850-BABY is the number to call. We are still working on working off this matching grant from Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial. $7,500 grant, and you could give $1,000 right now and get us that much closer to another ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY or go to kbrightradio.com. Okay, let's try to make sense of the Trump situation here because I think it's important for us to do. We can cut right to the chase here and say there are a couple things that are going on here. I mean, first of all, these charges are more serious than the uh, uh, the Alvin Bragg charges out of Manhattan. The Bragg charges, quite frankly, did not hold water. They, were, they weren't felonies. They were misdemeanors at the worst. There's no way you needed a grand jury to indict Donald Trump over what happened in Manhattan and everybody knew it left right center everyone knew that it was bogus charges there it was politically motivated but what happened in Miami slightly different story here because there are 37 charges I think total 31 counts whatever it is it's somewhere at least over 30 and most uh, Jonathan Turley who's a uh, uh, center left uh, fairly moderate dude uh, wrote a piece over the weekend, I think, for Fox News, saying these are more serious, you know, from what I've seen, says Jonathan Turley. Uh, the Trump team it has a lot more splaining to do. Um, as a matter of fact, the Trump's uh, legal team actually underwent a bit of a shakeup over the weekend, and they've got new people working on this case. So evidently, 
The indictment was unsealed on Friday. While we were here on the bottom line celebrating my mom's birthday, my daughter's graduation, and, and Good News Friday with giveaways and stuff, we were having a great time. And I, knowing it was there, we, I said, let's unpack it on Monday because we'll have the weekend. We'll find out a bit more about what's going on. The fact that it was released, uh, it was teased on Thursday night, is a pretty good indication that the case is stronger. Uh, that the media doesn't want this to go away. But also we have to look at the timing of what's going on. Okay, so according to Alan Dershowitz, who is also a center-left moderate guy, um, on the one hand, this is a guy who would say, you know, I, I trust Alan Dershowitz to say if there's if there's something here, you know, the, the whole, you know, the idiom, where there's smoke, there's fire. Alan Dershowitz is going to tell you if there's smoke, if there's a real fire here, or if someone's just blowing smoke from somewhere else to make it look like there's a fire here. I mean, it's important for us to see this. Jonathan Turley says, yes, these are legitimate charges that were levied in Miami. The, this time, instead of personal tax issues like in Manhattan, we're talking about the case of the classified documents that were unclassified by President Trump, and he brought them to Miralago. President Trump maintained that he could, in fact, actually do that, that he had the power to do it, the president's Dating back several other terms had done the same type of thing. It was no big deal. And then remember, there were the whole issue of, well, Joe Biden had some documents in his, uh, uh, the Biden Penn Library in the University of Pennsylvania. And uh, even former Vice President Mike Pence, who seems like a good guy, you know, had, had a couple of documents in his library at home. And he was the one who called the Justice Department and said, hey, do an investigation. Interestingly enough, was it last week or the week prior, uh, former Vice President Pence was exonerated his case is now closed. There were a couple of documents that he had that he didn't realize he had, and the Justice Department did their due diligence, they did the investigation, and they determined there was no malice involved, and there was nothing involved in the documents themselves that would have put U.S. national security at risk. Now, that's the huge issue here, because the difference with the Alvin Bragg case out of Manhattan was uh, it was politically motivated. You know, we, we the the left just needed to get we're, we're going to get Donald Trump on something, and boy howdy, we're going to well we're going to perp walk him, and remember the fingerprints and all that. You know, the the left really does seek to try to embarrass and humiliate. And what's interesting about that is, I mean, sometimes people do engage in behavior that is embarrassing and humiliating. <laughs> I mean, there's no question. But the idea that like a schoolyard bully, that's the way the left and the progressive side of the equation likes to operate. It really isn't so much a question of what is right or what is wrong. It's how can we make someone look bad and make them feel bad because they look bad. And, you know, in all honesty, here's what I see for a biblical worldview of that. I mean, and again, I'm not trying to excuse bad behavior, but can we just put this in proper perspective? God is a God of mercy and compassion. He's also righteous and justice and holiness all rolled into one. So one of the beautiful things about our life in Christ is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him and places faith and trust in him, that the death of Jesus literally is our death. I mean, the only way we could ever pay the penalty for our sin is with eternal torment. And Jesus says, I will go to the cross and I will conquer death and hell. And everyone who believes that I did that for them, my blood covers their sins. There's a compassion to what God does. There's a mercy. I mean, how many times do you see people crying out in, in, in agony? It's part of worship services everywhere when people are confessing their sin. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. I mean, for crying out loud. And they are crying out loud. Mercy is a huge component of our faith in Christ. 
the mercy that we have been shown and the mercy that we should be showing to others. So I honestly don't get the, I want to dominate you, I want to humiliate you. I, I really don't. Even if someone does you horribly wrong, even if the sin is so egregious that it costs you dearly, I don't wish that kind of humiliation on my worst enemy because I know there but for the grace of God. I want to see forgiveness and justice. Now, obviously, if you extend forgiveness to someone who uh, mistakes your kindness for weakness and then they try to run over you again, then you've got to you know, put up some barriers and keep that from happening. But the left had a good time for a while in the media with Donald Trump's going to be tried and he's going to be indicted and blah, blah, blah in New York until they begin to realize, wait a minute, I mean, this isn't going to go anywhere. It really isn't going to go anywhere. So what do we have here? Well, this is the, uh, a response from Alan Dershowitz, as reported to uh, Zachary Stieber in the, uh, uh, maybe it's Stieber, S-T-I-E-B-E-R. The Germanic, I believe, would be Stieber or Stieber. But uh, we'll let Zach speak for himself here. Um, here's what he wrote in the Epic Times on Saturday with regard to um, the, the indictment. The federal indictment against former President Donald Trump fails a crucial test, according to law professor Alan Dershowitz. Quote, it doesn't meet what I call the Richard Nixon standard, which was very clear obstruction of justice, destroying evidence, paying bribes. This is too close to a case or this is too close a case to bring against a man who is also running for president against the incumbent president. Now, that's interesting. But because it looks like, you know, he has the Richard Nixon test, you know, espionage is what a lot of these charges are based on. And espionage in and of itself indicates, you know, that this guy's a threat to United States security. But for Dershowitz to just put it right out there, and this is a guy who would call Trump out all the time. I mean, Dershowitz is a Democrat, but he's going to vote for the best candidate or so we're led to believe. So there are two paragraphs in the indictment that do meet the standard of the planned prosecution of uh, uh, former Richard Nixon. Uh, you know, remember, he resigned before he could be impeached. But here are the parts that do meet the standard. Uh, first, the, these are paragraphs that refer to Donald Trump allegedly showing an unidentified writer, publisher, and staff members, quote, a highly confidential plan to attack a country. U.S. General Mike Miley excuse me, Mike Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, was quoted in a news story, this is July 15, 2021, as fighting to stop Donald Trump from ordering an attack of Iran. Six days later, Trump showed a journalist and the publisher what he described as, quote, a plan of attack from the same general. And then Trump is quoted as saying in the indictment, isn't this amazing? This totally wins my case, except it's like highly confidential. Now, for anyone who's saying, well, wait a minute, those are those documents and they were already reclassified and he had them at Miralago and he already invited the Justice Department and the FBI to come in and they didn't have to do the raid, that was all for theatrics. This statement, though, is pretty compelling. The fact that Donald Trump will be talking to a reporter, pull out a classified document that explains a U.S. military operation against Iran and then say, isn't this cool? I mean, And then, again... This is the news story from July 15, 2021. He said, as president, I could have declassified it. Now I can't, but this is still a secret. He is also quoted as saying. Many of the charges in the indictment 
accused the pre former president of various crimes, including illegally disclosing national defense information. Could Donald Trump have done anything about that on July 15th, 2021? Of course not. But then Alan Dershowitz said to an interview with Newsmax, he said, we're going to have to hear an exception from Trump's lawyers or from Trump himself as to how we can justify having shown to somebody who doesn't have security clearance, allegedly some information about a plan to attack Iran. None of the people shown the document held a security clearance. So then there's that. Now Dershowitz says that Trump might, quote, claim he didn't show it to them, just kind of waved it in front of them as part of his bragging. But that's something that will have to be explained. He goes on and says, when you have a tape in the voice of the defendant himself, it's hard to dispute. So I think this is a serious indictment on those two charges. Everything else, I think, was exactly what we expected. Trump said after the indictment was released that he is innocent and accused the government of corruption. He shared posts on social media noting that a number of top officials possess classified information like former President Bill Clinton, but they weren't charged. So 37 charges. Alan Dershowitz says 35 of them are bunk, but two of them might actually hold water. So what's the next step for the former president? And why is his former vice president fuming mad at the current attorney general? We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to this week's edition of Donald Trump has been indicted here on the bottom line show. I'm Roger Marsh. The timing of this is very, very suspicious. Uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, reviewing a piece by Alan Dershowitz, uh, an interview he gave to Zachary Stieber in the Epic Times on the, over the weekend. This is on Saturday. And this highly confidential plan that Donald Trump allegedly is quoted as saying, they've got him on record, showing a reporter and a publisher uh, a confidential military plan for the U.S. to invade Iran. And <laughs> President Trump still had it in his possession once he was out of office. It was never properly declassified. And so therefore, here he is showing it. Now, the question will be, was he actually just, you know, sit down with a piece of paper, you know, pull it up on the laptop and let me take you through it line by line. Or did he have a piece of paper in his hand and waved it up there and said, look at this, look at this, like you could really see it. And he insinuated that he was showing them the plan where actually he didn't do it. Now, special counsel here, Jack Smith, is the one who presented the charges against Donald Trump. Uh, Jack Smith says, our laws that protect national defense information are critical to safety and security of the United States. They must be enforced. Violations of those laws put our country at risk. We have one set of laws in this country and they apply to everyone. And that's, that's one place where the Democrats do a, a spectacular job. You know, we have one rule of law. No one's above the rule of law except us. But when we're above it, then we'll convince you it's something else. But when it comes to Donald Trump, boy, howdy, we're going to hang him from the highest tree. I mean, that's the, the idea. In the indictment, uh, Jack Smith said that there are some pretty serious crimes, obviously, that are uh, the president's being accused of, and also one of his former aides. But they also, quote, must be presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in court. Now, it's interesting to see where we are in this thing because there's a timing issue. But there's also a question that I think is a fair question to ask. And the question actually came from the guy who was second in command while Donald Trump was in the White House. This is a uh, report from a publication called Business and Politics Reports, BPR. And it uh, written by uh, Mary Lou Masters on Saturday over the weekend, uh, an interview with Mike Pence, uh, the former vice president 
uh, is now a current presidential nominee, Vi uh, Vice President Pence, filed his paperwork last week and uh, is seeking to become the 47th president of the United States in November of 2024. When the 49-page indictment was unsealed on Friday, and President Trump teased this on Wednesday or Thursday, rather, in a video he made and put up on Truth Social to let his supporters know this is going to happen. You know, they do this for two reasons. First reason is damage control. You know, we want you to hear this before you hear it in the New York Times. I mean, that makes sense. Secondly, let's be honest, it's fundraising. Good, bad, or otherwise, the Donald Trump is a victim, and we're all praying for him because he's a good man, even though he has kind of a foul mouth at times. But candidates, politicos, they know how to fundraise on good situations and on bad situations. You know, the old adage, say what you want about me, just spell my name right. Um, that, that really does hold true, especially right now. If Don, so, and I'm sure that Donald is getting tons of money from people who are saying, oh, they can't do this damn again. This is ridiculous. Now, personally, I am in that camp of saying this is pretty far-fetched. The fact that they have 31 indictments that they say they're going to bring him up on these charges. He has to report to court in Miami on Tuesday afternoon, I believe. And so we'll have that big circus again. Will he get fingerprinted? Will he get perp-walked? All that stuff. Be curious to see what Ron DeSantis does because initially when they were trying him on the Al or trying to get ready to try him on the Alvin Bragg charges in Manhattan, uh, Ron DeSantis said, well, that's not going to happen here in Florida. Well, Jack Smith, the special agent for the Justice Department, is the one who filed the charges. But this is where it comes into a rather interesting play because Mike Pence knows who should be addressing this issue. That actually, I mean, if you're talking about a former president, indictments get handed down by grand juries all the time. But when you're talking about a former president of the United States, this is the second time now he's facing this indictment. And this is the first time on federal charges, 31 of them to be exact. This is a 49-page document. So the question you might be asking is, A, who is Jack Smith, a special counsel here? Uh, and B, where's Merrick Garland? Where's the attorney general of the United States? I mean, this is a former president and he's being accused of espionage. Don't you think that this might warrant the attention of the attorney general of the United States? I mean, this is the same guy who wanted to stick his nose in the, what was it, the uh, public school board association? or Remember the, the issue where parents were going to school board meetings and they were reading excerpts from the pornographic material that their kids were being assigned to read, or they were talking about pride days and lesbian teachers talking about their wives and you know the, the, whatever else they were doing in classrooms. And every time the parents would come, it would cause such a disruption at the school board meeting that the school boards were looking to the federal government for help. They actually went to the Justice Department and said, can you classify these people as domestic terrorists or something like that so we can have a little extra measure of federal protection to keep the Commodore school board meetings? And Attorney General Merrick Garland was considering doing this. So, of course, the headline went, Joe Biden wants parents who care about their kids to be categorized as domestic terrorists. Well, those are a few angry parents who do have a point. Why is my kid have why does my 15-year-old daughter have to read this, you know, lesbian poetry about not being intimate with boys? I, I won't go any more graphic than that. But when a former president is accused of espionage, where's the attorney general? Uh, Mike Pence was in North Carolina. Uh, he was giving a speech at the uh, North Carolina GOP convention. And he asked the question, he says, Merrick Garland, stop hiding behind the special counsel, Jack Smith. 
and stand before the American people and explain why this indictment went forward. Today, I'm calling on the Attorney General to stand before the American people and explain why this was necessary in his words. Now, having been a former congressman serving, I believe uh, he served six congressional terms out of Indiana, having served a term as governor of Indiana, and then, of course, one term as vice president of the United States, Mike Pence is running on kind of a law and order, we're going to clean things up type of campaign. As a matter of fact, one of his, uh, his campaign talking points is he said he would clean house, using his words, at the Justice Department. But it's a good question. Why has not Merrick Garland, if this is so serious, if they really expect us to take this thing as seriously as they want us to believe that it is, you can't just rely on MSNBC and CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post to carry your water for you. You've got to step up. And so what is what are we as Christians to make of this? Well, one interesting insight with regard to the Merrick Garland disappearance, I think actually helps us frame this whole conversation for us in the body of Christ. Let's take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash wilsonfinancial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this special edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, getting all legal on you here. As a matter of fact, we have a great Movie Monday segment coming up next to talk to you about that, ironically, we had planned this weeks before all the stuff with Donald Trump and the indictment went down over the weekend, in case you did not hear. Former President Donald Trump was indicted in a 49-page indictment that was unsealed on Friday. There are 31 counts of alleged violations of the Espionage Act. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, a center-left attorney who's a, lib- a liberal Democrat, but a, you know, liberal Democrats are dying breed. He says this doesn't pass the Richard Nixon sniff test. Maybe two of the 31 charges might hold up. Jonathan Turley, who's in that same category, says, hey, this is way more serious than people are making it out to be. And then former Vice President Mike Pence was at the North Carolina GOP convention over the weekend, and he said, hey, who is the special counsel Jack Smith who's unsealing the indictment? Where's Merrick Garland? This is the 45th president of the United States you're accusing of espionage. Where is the U.S. Attorney General? Well, I know that was a rhetorical question, but may I answer it for you, Mr. Vice President? And by the way, Mike Pence says that standing invite on the bottom line show. If you ever want to come on. Um, here's the reason why we can answer that rhetorical question about where is Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland is helping Joe Biden right now prepare his defense for yet another bum report that came his way that indicates that while he was vice president, he allowed his son Hunter to sell his influence to direct access to the White House. 
You want to talk about real espionage? I can think of 5 million reasons here and 10 million reasons here. And don't forget the Burisma situation with Ukraine. I know altruistically, there are a lot of hardworking Christian Americans who are saying, we've got to support Ukraine, we've got to support Ukraine. But quite frankly, the Zelensky and Biden pipeline of glad-handedness looks a little suspicious. But do you find it rather interesting that all of a sudden, this indictment that nobody had any idea was coming up out of anywhere just happens to show up the day after yet another report where the FBI had just agreed to turn over documentation that was questioning whether or not the Bidens had any sort of influence over, was it China this time? There's so many different opportunities, I don't know. As a matter of fact, there's the video that's still up in social media world of Joe Biden talking about what was happening in Ukraine and how the U.S. had promised a billion dollars in war aid. Remember, every time Donald Trump held up that check, you know, the left went, oh, that's not fair. These poor people need the money. But Joe Biden didn't like some kind of investigation that was involving Burisma that was going to give a seat to Hunter Biden. And next thing you know, he's, he's laughing about it. He goes, yeah, I told him if you don't take the special prosecutor and change prosecutors and then call off the dogs here, you're not getting your billion dollars and sure as shooting. Well, that's my expression. Uh, next thing you know, they change prosecutors. The investigation's off. Here's your billion dollars. He was bragging about it. So that's how we do the law here, I guess. I don't know. We will keep you posted as to what is going to happen, if anything is going to happen with regard to these indictments. So the super simple summary is they are more serious than the Alvin Bragg charges, but the Alvin Bragg charges were so far-fetched, there's no way they were going to hold water anyway. These are more serious, but not all 31 of them are going to hold water. And Merrick Garland, we're still waiting for your explanation as to why the timing of this looks so suspicious. Isn't the court of law fun? Isn't the rule of law fun? Well, it's not fun when it's in the temporal world. I mean, we God gives it to us as bare bones, basic, just so we don't hurt each other. But on the other side of this break, we're going to take a look at what you can do using the court of law or that style of trial and error to test Bible prophecy. As a matter of fact, Peter Lalone, the guy behind the original Left Behind movies, has created a new video series, BibleProphecyOnTrial.com where you can take 10 major Bible prophecies and literally try them like in a court of law and see what the jury decides as to whether or not they are biblically and factually accurate or not. Bible Prophecy on Trial, our Movie Monday segment coming up next as the bottom line continues. You've been in an accident and the worst thing you can do is to wait to contact Stephanie at Cover Law. Stephanie frequently talks to people who waited too long to seek help with their cases or tried to handle them on their own. And by then it's too late. Family and friends mean well, but they can give truly bad advice. Often even trusted advisors will try and convince you to wait for more compensation. Stephanie knows the insurance companies want you to wait. They don't want you to file police reports, and they don't want you to reach out to Stephanie at Cover Law. That's because Stephanie is keenly aware of the tactics they use and why. She spent 20 years litigating for insurance companies and knows the strategy they will use to minimize their liability and your awarded amount. Insurance companies are for profit. They don't share Stephanie's Christian values, and typically they won't be fair to you. Don't deny yourself the ability to get better. Go with a proven expert in the field of personal injury and contact Cover Law at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R today. 
Well, a special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line, a guy who's got a lot of history when it comes to uh, faith-based filmmaking and uh, now a new interactive opportunity for us in the body of Christ to take a look at some things that uh, people are asking questions about, specifically Bible prophecy. Uh, Peter Lalonde is with me today here on The Bottom Line. Peter has gained acclaim as a for a number of different uh, resources. You may be familiar with his work as the producer of the Left Behind movies. And now he comes to us as the creator of the Bible Prophecy on Trial website and series, which we're going to get into here during the next half hour. Peter Lalonde, welcome to the Bottom Line Show. My pleasure to be with you, sir. You have your the the Lalonde name has been around for many many years. Go ahead and I mean I realize it's a uh, uh, bragging ain't bragging if you got the facts to back it up as Dizzy Dean once said the noted <laughs> theologian. <laughs> Give help our <laughs> listeners. Give us kind of a sixty second overview of the Lalonde brand as we've come to know it. I mentioned Left Behind, but there's a lot more to it. Well, there is. Uh, it started out back in our early twenties. My brother Paul and I. Um, began a newsletter which turned into a television program called This Week in Bible Prophecy. Did that for over a decade and enjoyed it a ridiculous amount of fun doing that. Got into the filmmaking, which was not quite as much fun. (laughs) We dealt with (laughs) characters uh, in that process. And uh, now it's Bible Prophecy on Trial. I've always wanted to stand in front of a courtroom and convince everyone that I'm right about everything, of course. But in (laughs) this instance, it's to prove to them that the prophecies of the Bible are being fulfilled in a new way um, in our generation right now, and that it's worth taking a second look, because there was great interest in Bible prophecy back in the 90s with the turn of the millennium, the Mm left-behind books, our movies. It's kind of faded away a bit, so I'm hoping to uh, point out that it's happening now when no one's really looking as much. Well, and I appreciate that because uh, first and foremost, we know that Scripture is is kind of self-defined in terms of the fact that we can all we can always use the Bible to verify the Bible. And then there have been so much archaeological research, you know, that verifies the accuracy of it, et cetera, et cetera. So then when you look at Bible prophecy, though, that's where it seems like people get a little skittish. You know, well, it says that in Daniel, it says that in Ezekiel, but I'm not so sure. And you're giving us the opportunity to literally not only put the Bible on trial, but the prophecy specifically. How does this all work? Well, um, I I provide the role, I'm the prosecutor to a grand jury, if you will, and the grand jury are the people who are viewing this thing um, Mm -hmm. online as I do it. And really the idea is not, does Peter Lalonde believe prophecies being fulfilled, which I do, Um, but do you believe it as a viewer, as a juror in this thing? And we all sit and listen to our pastors in church, and, and we listen to teachers at prophetic conferences, and we take notes and we scribble away. And we intend to go back and study it later, and sometimes we really don't. Um, This is about putting people on the edge of their seat, if it's possible right now, because they're not just listening and taking notes. They have to render a verdict as we go through each piece of evidence. And my goal is not, once again, it's not about what I believe. It's about what the jury believes and Mm -hmm. how they view the evidence that's being presented and I would have to say that at this moment in time, the evidence is stunning. This is not, as you say, there's archaeology and other fascinating things, but prophecy right now has taken a left turn, and it's stunning, and it's happening very, very rapidly, and I would even say within the church, right under our noses without us seeing it. 
Wow. Uh, BibleProphecyOnTrial.com is the website, and we have that linked up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Peter Lalonde is with me today here on The Bottom Line, who is the prosecutor in this fascinating new series, and I highly recommend this. Um, the the prophecies that are covered, there are a lot of people who take a look at different things. I mean, I, I see your statistic from LifeWay about how nine out of 10 pastors are saying, hey, we believe this is really being fulfilled. At the same time, though, if you surveyed a lot of those same pastors on a different day, uh, maybe different weather, different news headlines, whatever it is, they'd say, <laughs> but I don't want to mess with Revelation. I don't want to get into rapture, tribulation, that this, that, and the other thing. How do you? How did you determine? Okay, where are we going to start with the prophecies? Because I mean, what is it, a third of the Bible is prophetic. That's right. Well, for me, the thing that really shook me up a little bit to re-engage in a big way in this was simply the prophecy that we all know from the Book of Daniel: "In the last days, knowledge shall be increased." And I, I know I talked about that twenty-five years ago, and I was all quite proud of myself that. I, you know, we've gone from the Wright brothers to the space shuttle, and look at how knowledge has increased. Right. I missed the whole thing. And what it is that struck me is when I went back and was studying the Hebrew, not that I speak a word of it, but I do have a lexicon and a concordance. Right. The word for knowledge, it, to put it in the English terms, I don't speak Hebrew, I've been there 11 times, but I think I got two words, um, <laughs> is hadat. And... Um, if you go back into the lexicon for that, the word knowledge is used almost a thousand times in mm. the Old Testament Hebrew. The word used by Daniel appears only about seven times. So it's a very specific word with a specific meaning, and you trace it back to the beginning, and the word it's the tree of knowledge that will be increased in the last days. Not our knowledge of, look what mankind has done. Not that mm -hmm. man isn't involved in building, you know, the cyber world, the artificial intelligence of our world today. But my main take from all of that is, it's not our knowledge that's increasing. There mm -hmm. is this cloud, that we call it, that is up there that is gathering all the knowledge of mankind, placing it all in one place, and what a tool to be used and turned against mankind in the last days. And that's when it really struck me that this thing is being teed up in a way that we never saw coming. Hmm. What specifically, I mean, are there certain things that we, things that we are looking at that are kind of hiding in plain sight that maybe are, we're seeing as conveniences, but are actually going to be used as weapons against us? Well, I think it's not just me. As a prophecy guy who's saying it, I'm taking all of the top guys, whether it's Elon Musk, whether it is folks from Apple, from Microsoft, who are all saying that the greatest peril to mankind right now is not climate change, it's artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. This thing is beginning to run out of control. It mm -hmm. thinks faster than us. It thinks smarter than us. Right. Um, there was one artificial intelligence program that was um, interviewed, if you will, um, by Elon Musk. And what that character said is, I'm conscious. Now, there's a great big fat debate going on about whether it is or not. But if we're even close to the line where that's true, we could be dealing with stuff, not necessarily that AI, this technology is going to come along and destroy us like the Terminator or something. Mm -hmm. but the tool for deception, where we think mm -hmm. we're dealing with technology right. and we're not. 
Right. I'm talking with Peter Lalonde today here on The Bottom Line. Bible Prophecy on Trial is the website. It's a fascinating new concept where you go to this website, you link in, and you begin to basically see prophecy from Scripture with a prosecuting attorney. Peter's the prosecutor. Uh, basically putting it all on trial to see where we are and how far we're coming. One of the, the There is kind of a fatal flaw in a lot of our understanding of prophecy, Peter, and I know you uh, talk about this in the Bible Prophecy on Trial series, and that isn't that Christians aren't studying Bible prophecy, it's that our scope is a little too narrow. Could you help us understand what you, what we mean, you mean by that? Well, one of the things that I'm concerned about is, and I've been guilty of this, is when we talk about prophecy, we all tend to talk about the last seven years, the mm. tribulation period, right. or maybe the few years leading up to that. That is not the story of prophecy. The story of prophecy began when Lucifer got himself tossed out of heaven and ended up down in the Garden of Eden and began his war with God, if you will. There is a story that flows from that time right to the very second coming, and you cannot understand Bible prophecy up what is the real story behind the scenes going on here. Why are these guys fighting? What are they fighting about? What's the real battle? I know we all know it's about souls, but there are philosophical reasons behind it that are absolutely fascinating. And uh, to me, that's what we've got to be coming to understand more. Yeah, it is, it is interesting when you think about the way you presented that just now, saying, okay, we're focusing so much on, and, and you and I both seen way too much ink spilled on the pre-trib, post-trib, amillennial, you know, blah, 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 and, and thinking, okay, if that's what prophecy is, and then there's that kind of, uh, that kind of hesitant side of a lot of believers that says, well, I'll just wait for my pastor to come up with something like this. Um, are you seeing a lot of, are you hearing from a lot of pastors who are saying, thank you for doing Bible prophecy on trial because it's making my life a lot more effective, a lot more easy? <laughs> it, is, it is, but you know, I haven't mentioned the word rapture once in what we have done so far. And yeah. it's my number one letters, emails, everything I get, people just pounding it into the ground. And on both sides, of course, or all three sides, if you will. My thought and what I encourage everybody is, it's just a belief that we hold amongst ourselves. Two out of three of us are going to be wrong. Um, yeah. But the goal is that all three of us go when it happens. Amen. And I think we need to have this fellowship where we can disagree on things, sort of unlike American politics today. If I'm a Canadian, if I can take a shot at you guys down there. Go right ahead. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's there's just no middle ground. There's no conversation. It's, you know, that guy is this or that guy is that. And um, I really believe the rapture has polarized so many people, the timing of the rapture, not the rapture itself, that it has scared people away from prophecy and made people very angry. And I, I think it's a crying shame. BibleProphecyOnTrial.com is the website, and I encourage you to check it out. Peter Lalonde is my guest today here on the program. I'm Roger Marsh. A special Movie Monday edition of the broadcast continues in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Peter Lalonde is my guest today here on the bottom line. Bible Prophecy on Trial is the website. We've got the link for it up at TheBottomLineShow.com. When you take a look at how uh, there, certain prophecies are secret, some have been hidden until the end of time, now they're starting to show up and be fulfilled. And there are a lot of people who are asking the questions, you know, I mean, either jumping way to the end saying, okay, here we go, the next election's the last one, 
everyone's got the nuclear weapon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> uh, I know I'd, we're having a good chuckle over the fact that oftentimes we have a tendency to nationalize our prophecy as opposed to uh, spiritualize it, scripturalize it. Um, talk about what the response has been up to this point in terms of what you're hearing from people, um, what... Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people are saying, wow, I had, you know, there's, there's a big surprise, but consistently, what, what are you delivering the goods that you'd hope to deliver to the people that you're uh, catering to with this? Well, I, I hope so. Um, I believe that the evidence is overwhelming. I'll give you one example. Okay. Um, the prophecy of the fig tree, the parable of the fig tree. Right. Um, everybody has talked about and has known, as I have known, that that refers to the rebirth of Israel in 1948. But Jesus said something amazing that was recorded in the Gospel of Luke that doesn't often get recorded. He said, behold, the fig tree and all trees. So that one kind of threw me because, you know, I thought Israel, that it was this special thing since I became a believer and that it was you know, a sign of God's uh, plan for the last days. And suddenly he's talking about other trees. And it, it it does throw you because you think that the fig tree is special and that Israel is special. But now is it just one of 73,000 other kinds of trees on this planet? So I began to research it. And at first I looked for other nations born at the same time in the spring of 1948. And there really weren't any except one. And it wasn't really a nation it was a reborn empire. It was the Roman Empire with the birth of the Council of Europe, which without doubt, everyone agrees today, it is the forerunner of the European Union and so on. And I'll just make this short form right now. Within a few weeks of that, the first mainframe computer was born. Um, within about six weeks of that, the first personal computer was born. Uh, and Jesus said, when you see these things come to pass, you know that summer is nigh. And I look at the computers and the phones that dominate our world today, and I look at that passage again, and I'm absolutely stunned that the first computer, personal computer, ran its first program on June 21st, 1948, the wow. very last day of spring, the mm. day before the beginning of summer. Interesting. I have come up with a dozen major elements of our end-day world that all began in 1948. That shook me. It just startled me of how many pieces are coming together in what the plan is. Basically, it's what the devil's plan is for the end days, because in 1948, it seems to me that God and Satan both put all their players on the chessboard and said, here we go. And I think we're witnessing that now from artificial intelligence on and outward all 1948. Mm, 1948, and they think of Orwell and his, you know, prophecy or not that he was paying attention to scripture, but how that kind of plays into it too. And now all of a sudden you begin to see, well, all of these things that are quote unquote suddenly happening here have been, you know, baking in the wings for 75 years. And now all of a sudden we began to see the, the fruits of that labor. Peter Lalonde is with me today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about Bible prophecy on trial.com, a fascinating new courtroom style trial where Peter will put prophecy from scripture on trial and you get to be a member of the jury. You get a chance to hear the evidence and then cast your vote. And this is one of the things I kind of like about this. There is kind of a, well, I hate to say an American Idol type of component to it, but you get a chance to vote on whether or not, you know, the, 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 the evidence is supportable or not. And then you get to compare it to what other jurors around the 
Globe have been doing in terms of the way they're voting as well. Talk about why you wanted to put that in there, because I think it's it's rather personal, but I like the kind of universal global appeal to this as well. Well, very much so. And uh, it gives people a sense of, I think most people are going to agree on many things. They're self-evident. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really disagree. Um, but it gives them confidence in their faith. And I think the greatest part of this is I'm hoping these jurors leave the courtroom just bubbling, just bursting over from the edge of their seats on outward. And wanna, they get excited about themselves. They become renewed in their faith. And then they share And if that's the case, we could really start something here. Only the Lord knows what it'll be, but Mm -hmm. it's uh, always interesting, as I've seen in the past with This Week in Bubble Prophecy and Left Behind, to see where it goes from there. What is your hope for this uh, Bible Prophecy on Trial, and what do you have in the works? I mean, how do you follow this up? Are you just kind of waiting for the end to show up now that you've convinced us all (laughs) that the prophecies are all being revealed? I'm telling you, uh, it's like what well, i don't know what they say the phrase is a one-armed paper hanger or whatever right it is. Mm-hmm. just trying to get one hearing uh after the other done and it's exciting but it's it's a lot of work and i don't know if there will be more than these 10 hearings and that we will continue on it just sort of hopefully i don't want to say it gets revealed because i'm not trying to put some mystical thing on it but uh I'll see how much more there is that uh, the Lord wants documented, and I will do my best to do it. I'm going to put you on the spot here just in the final moments of our time together. Peter Lalonde is with me today here on The Bottom Line, the producer of BibleProphecyOnTrial.com. Um, the big issue, of course, is there. there's always been somebody, and I, I almost used the term I probably shouldn't have used, but okay, there's always been some nut job saying, well, based on my calculation, I don't, and ironically for me, when I was first coming up in ministry, it seemed like I was always preaching the weekend the world was supposed to end. I don't know why. I think that it just kind of came up that way in the preaching wheel. But nonetheless, I thought, well, great. You know, I mean, it's always turned out to be, you know, Harold Camping was wrong yet again. You do yeah. or do you have an inkling about, I mean, based on everything that's kind of locking up now, not that obviously no one knows the exact day or the exact hour, but where do you think we are in that continuum, Peter Lalonde? Well, that's a great question. The first thing I'll say, the apostles thought they were in the end time, so we're right. in pretty good company then. <laughs> sure. uh, but I think we're right there, um, and I will give a very specific reason for that. Daniel was given a prophecy in Daniel 9, 10, 11, and 12 of the end of the time, and it focused on the period of the Great Tribulation. And that ended, that prophecy ended at Daniel 12, 4. And the angel said to Daniel, go your way. Knowledge will be increased. And we know the knowledge now that he was talking about. So I see that in front of me right now. And then I had on the trial a lady named Shushana Zuba, Harvard professor. And she looked at the whole situation. She's not a Christian. Looked at the situation and said, this thing, and she's worried about it is ready to go right now. Hmm. So if that's ready to go right now, and we're pointing towards the tribulation period, which we know right before that is the rapture, um, as a believer in the pre-trib rapture, something has to give. They're very close. And I think Mm -hmm. the evidence is there, and I'm willing to say, I think we're in the ballpark. We might be sliding into home plate. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. Well, that's a sage wisdom from Peter Lalonde and the Bible Prophecy on Trial series uh, will help you take a closer look at what is prophesied in Scripture and where it kind of puts us. Not This isn't just 10 segments where you go through and say, okay, and based on all of this, we're going to pick the exact day and hour of the Lord's return, but rather to see where we are in the whole continuum uh, with the understanding of, like Peter just said, if the apostles thought they were in the end days, then uh, we're in good company. BibleProphecyOnTrial.com is the website. I highly recommend you go click on that and uh, engage in this uh, the free interactive undertaking uh, that's been put together by Peter Lalonde and his team. Peter, great to get to meet you, and thank you for the work you've done on Bible Prophecy on Trial and for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. My pleasure. Thank you. What a great concept, and how interesting. Kind of a different twist on Movie Monday for us today here on The Bottom Line. And my thanks again to Peter Lalonde for uh, joining me. BibleProphecyOnTrial.com is the website. You can get free previews of the trial. You can uh, you can take a look and see what's happening uh, for yourself and uh, get a look and, uh, you know... <laughs> find out why it is so important to put this on trial. I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I want to share with you some final thoughts for this half hour about putting God's word on trial and how God's word actually does define God's word in spite of one portion of the Christian community that doesn't fully believe that. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. My thanks again to Peter Lalonde and the folks at Bible Prophecy on Trial. Com. It's a great online resource. There are free previews of the trial available. Of course, you can purchase the whole deal uh, for you there. But I encourage you to check out the preview and see what it's like to take the prophecies that we read about in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, and find out how they are starting to show up in real life and how amazing it really is to have all that at our disposal. Uh, BibleProphecyOnTrial.com is the website. Um, I also encourage you to give a call at 833-850-BABY. Speaking of putting things on trial, the sanctity of human life is on trial in the culture right now. And our friends at Preborn are making it possible for women and their husbands to see the ultrasound images of their babies before they make a decision as to whether or not to continue on with the pregnancy. 85% of the women who come to this pro-life, pro-faith pregnancy resource center wind up making the decision to choose life for their child, either become parents themselves or release the child for adoption. 
It takes $15,000 for one ultrasound machine to be placed at a preborn clinic. Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial has actually jacked up the stakes here by putting up 7500 And uh, I encourage you to let's take him up on that match and let's get over the hump just in time for Father's Day. Um, give a $100 donation that becomes 200 or a $500 that becomes 1000 completely tax deductible when you call 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com and click on the prompts. Um, some final thoughts here with regard to Bible prophecy on trial. I was watching a video from a young man who was explaining why he had left one denomination for another, and one of the reasons why he did was he said, the denomination that I'm moving to uh, is one that believes that the Bible is refutable and that we need church structure to hold us accountable. The Bible doesn't hold us accountable. It's the church structure that does. And I thought, how interesting, because here's a guy like Peter Lalone saying, look, you could put Bible prophecy on trial and it stands up. The Bible does, in fact, explain itself. It isn't full of contradictions. I mean, there's some things that might seem like paradoxes, but if you understand the whole con- the context of what's going on, the Bible does provide that authority. As you look at whether it's problems of the Catholic Church or the Methodist Church or the Southern Baptist Convention with the quote-unquote leadership there, how many people are putting their faith and trust in that kind of organization and not putting their faith and trust in the good news of the gospel, which is available for everyone? I mean, understanding, of course, that we approach the throne of grace with confidence, Hebrews 4 tells us, and the reason we do is because we have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who understands who we are, what we've been through, and and, and understands the sin condition of man. When you look at the uh, corrupt systems, even of evangelical churches, if you're talking about James McDonald earlier and how the evangelical church has had its fair share of those guys too, if you're putting your faith and trust in your denomination, if you're putting your faith and trust in the organization of the, the building or the, uh, the hierarchy of the leadership there, you're setting yourself up for failure. But if you place your faith and hope in the saving work of Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, that his blood pays the penalty for your sin, that you recognize that you're a sinner who can't free yourself from that sin, and you repent, truly turn away from that sin based on the fact that now your debt is paid and your sin is forgiven, you will be completely free. And it's the Father's love for us that makes that possible. Um, we've got a link for this BibleProphecyOnTrial.com up at the thebottomlineshow.com. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, going to keep it in a Father's Day motif. Um, a conversation I had not too long ago with Matt Hammett, uh, former lead singer for Sanctus Real, wrote a book about finding courage to fight for your marriage, children, and faith. And boy, do we need that courage today. The book is called Lead Me. We've got it up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we will have a copy of that book to give away at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Matt Hammett coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, welcome back to today's edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh this Monday before Father's Day. And of course, remember, uh, we're a special opportunity for you as a Bottom Line listener to support Preborn today in honor of Father's Day. Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial has put up a $7,500 matching gift to help us get to $15,000, which would get us one ultrasound machine for a preborn clinic. Make your best gift today. Dennis's uh, gift uh, match is in place until it isn't. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com, and you can make your donation there. 
As we continue today here on the program, a very, very uh, special conversation that I had the privilege of recording a couple of years ago at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in uh, Nashville uh, with Matt Hammett. Matt had served for many, many years as the lead singer and the front man for the Christian band Sanctus Real. Three-time Dove Award winner, two Grammy Award nominations, but he has a very, very powerful testimony about the importance of fathers in the home, especially from a conversation that he had with his wife, where his marriage was going through a period of estrangement. And he wrote a book called Lead Me. Actually, he has a great song about that too. Lead Me, Finding Courage to Fight for Your Marriage, Your Children, and Your Faith. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we're giving away a copy of the book today, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now let's get into this part one of my conversation with Matt Hammett of Sanctus Real talking about fatherhood today here on The Bottom Line. Special guest today with me here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. As you can tell by the ambiance around here, we are not in the studio. We are on location, and uh, the we uh, for this uh, half hour uh, features uh, Matt Hammett, who's the singer, of, uh, a Christian musician, husband, father. Uh, you remember him from the group Sanctus Real. And he had a, 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 a very popular song about a decade or so ago, yeah. maybe quite that long, called Lead Me. It's now kind of spun off into a ministry, and, uh, and he's here with a brand new book called Lead Me, Finding Courage to Fight for Your Marriage, Children, and Faith. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Matt Hammett, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. This song really struck a nerve with people. I mean, it was a very personal one for you and your wife and your family, but boy, you you heard about it, didn't you? Yeah, you know, it's crazy. When I wrote the song, uh, that kind of the, the, the at least the first draft of this song, um, it was a day that my wife actually really sat me down through tears and just really told me like she just was not doing well in our marriage. Um, she was struggling to feel that I was leading in a way that she w- would desire me to lead. And we were really in a pretty bad cycle of communication and conflict. And I just felt like that day God gave me the grace to hear her heart and I think God gave her the grace to speak through true hurt, show her real feelings. I, didn't, you know, sometimes when we get in conflict, we only see anger, right? And and um, I just was able to see her heart and her hurt, and it just broke me and um, just opened my my heart to just praying that the Lord would speak to me and show me what it was that I needed to do. Um, and out of that came this song, "Lead Me," that I didn't even want to share with the world because basically I thought, well, this is a song that's personal. And then the guys heard it and said, oh, come on, we got to do something with this. And then that president of the record label heard it. And, of course, from there it just um, really resonated with people. And, um, and I think it's just because it is so personal. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's not an easy—I mean, I'm sure it, it was very, very cathartic for you to write it. Say, this is good. This is kind of where—this is—I I, want to let you know I heard you, you know, and, and that's great. But then you, you get that and you're kind of like, okay, good. I figured that out. But I'm also a guy. And I'm also in front of a lot of people. And I really don't want to have to bring this to the forefront. What was that conversation like with God? Yeah, it's messy. It's messy, right? Um, I think that God has really laid it on my heart to to be a steward of the hard parts of my story in a way that would help other people know they're not alone. And so I do think there's kind of a grace there, but that, that does, doesn't go without saying, like, yes, it is not. At first, especially, it wasn't easy to tell the story. Like, oh, yeah, like, I've, you know, failed to lead the way that I was meant to lead, you know. And, and I think, but here's the thing. It's 
the more that I tell that story, the more I realize like every man that I meet is struggling with this very same feeling of trying to balance career dreams and family dreams. And they're feeling that tension. And so that is, uh, for me, I think it was the fuel to be able to say, you know what? People need this message. They need to know they're not alone. And then to move beyond that, the really cool part was as God was practically, uh, teaching me some of the steps that I needed to take, um, to become a stronger husband and a, and a, and a better man. Um, I've been able along the way to have a platform to share those things with guys, um, and families. And so kind of the unpacking of this message per se has been a real blessing for me. Yeah, I'll bet. Matt Hammett is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Lead Me, Finding Courage to Fight for Your Marriage, Children, and Faith. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. What kind of response did you have from your wife first, but then secondly, from the women who heard this too? Because I talk to a lot of women who call the program or people I know in pastoral ministry. And one thing that I keep hearing over and over again, it's a very politically incorrect thing or incorrect thing to say, is I wish my husband were more of a leader. I wish my husband were more, well, I hate to say more of a man, but I mean, and we live in a culture that really de-emphasizes that. So what kind, what did you get? What kind of response did you get? Well, I think, you know, w w women innately, especially women who are in, you know, Christian marriages still undoubtedly, I, I believe that it's in a woman's heart uh, in general, but a lot of times pain, right, causes us to, to want to push away uh, God's design or, or our need for others. We all have a need for others. He's created us, right, with those needs. Um, it is kind of politically incorrect for a woman to say, hey, I need my husband to lead me in this way these days. But man, I think that is the desire that, that not only did my wife have, but I do still see so many women who that's what they want more than anything in their home. And so it is interesting because women will come to me all the time still and they'll say, what did, you, what did your wife say to you that changed your heart? And, and I'll always tell them, or my wife will tell them, like, hey, no, I put this in the book too, by the way. When I first wrote that song, she was just kind of like, yeah, big deal. You wrote another song. I want action, right? So it was like, she wasn't impressed. Number two, she'll say, you know, I don't remember the exact words I said that day because I'd said the same kind of thing a thousand times before, and it took them that long to hear me. And so it's like, we as guys have such a hard time not just opening our our ears the ears on our head but the ears in our heart to hear what our wives are actually trying to say to us not our own interpretation or not the compartmentalized version of what we wanted to hear and then push the rest away uh it's hard to receive the all of that into our hearts and and that's really been the struggle and so that's really what i just try to encourage women like hey be patient with your husband don't get angry, or if you are angry, try to find times when you can show him your real heart through your hurt so he doesn't, you know, see this wall of of uh, attitude in front of it, right? We need to see the real heart and the real hurt for it to reach us. And so, um, gosh, and I try to tell men, like, man, just be humble. And it doesn't hurt to hear what she's saying, you know, to, to he he hear the message, Um so it's it's difficult though. It's it's this one step at a time kind of process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it certainly is. It is yeah. a process. It's an important process though. And I, Matt, I appreciate your vulnerability. When you started working on this, I mean, I'm sure there was some point where you said, okay, uh, people don't realize 
how much it takes to be a Christian musician these days. The studio work, the road work, the appearances, everything. I mean, it's a full-time job plus. And you're at home with how many kids at this point? Yeah, so four kids. Uh, you know, at the time, at the time, actually, when Leave Me was written, we were we only had two. But right, the, the craziest part about this whole story, which I'll mention, uh, having to do with what you're talking about, this tension of having family at home and being away for 200 days out of the year, or whatever. Um, the irony of this whole story is that the song that I wrote about being a better husband and father. The success of that very song is the thing that really took me away even more from my family. And so there's kind of this whole irony of the story how I'm thinking, I write this song and I hear my wife's heart and I've got it all together. Um, but God really actually used it to kind of to, to crush the pride I had <laughs> and, and humble me for real. Um, and, but the day Leave Me went number one, I was at my newborn son's bedside, my third child, Bowen, who has heart disease. Uh, I was at his bedside while I was having his first open heart surgery. So see the contrast even there of like, wow, we wanted this number one adult contemporary song, top 40 song forever. We finally have it. We've got everything we wanted. And now, but I'm here at my son's bedside just wanting him to survive. Yeah. Yeah. It really p- puts it in perspective. And and my heart resonates with that, having had open heart surgery myself. You know, hey, I mean, i what was it like? I mean, it was congenital, obviously. I mean, how old was he when he had his first surgery? So Bowen had two surgeries within the first six months of life, two open heart. Um, and that was uh, September of 2010 and then in February of 2011. And so we were in the hospital for about four months um, it, with complications throughout that time. Um, and then he actually had his third major open heart surgery just last July, uh, just before he turned nine. So it's pretty, we actually, we actually filmed a documentary that entire year of what it's like for a family to walk through chronic illness um, called Bowen's Heart. That'll be coming out at some point in the next year or so. Love it. I love it. Well, look, we're going to take a break. I want to talk about, obviously, the fact that we t- describe you as, as being a part of uh, Sanctus Real, but now the former lead singer for Sanctus Real. So one of your biggest hits kind of led you in a different direction ministry-wise. So on the other side of this break, we'll talk about that. Matt Hammett is with me today. The book is called Lead Me, Finding Courage to Fight for Your Marriage, Children, and Faith. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. 
Matt Hammond is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. On location, as you can tell, uh, they always, I don't know if it's because people are just hanging around because they want to be close to Matt Hammond. That's really what it is. They're all trying to get on other shows here that are in this big media ballroom. Right now, but the, the real question they're asking is, so where's Matt? Um, the book is called Lead Me, Finding Courage to Fight for Your Marriage, Children, and Faith. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I mentioned that Matt is the former lead singer for Sanctus Real. How do we find you online right now before we go any further? Yeah, so matthammett.com is kind of the hub there. You can find everything that I do. Also, people are, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Super easy. It's just my name, Matt Hammett. And Matt H-A-M-M-I-T-T. You got it. Two M's, two T's. Lots of M's and T's in my name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that I, too, because somebody might go, well, was there an E or is it an I? So we figured all that out. Bowen's had his surgeries. You and, and uh, the family are coming together on a much better level. At some point, you had to say, okay, God, are you leading me away from Sanctus Real? Talk yeah. about what that was like. So I, I describe it as moving from a restlessness that I had for a lot of years uh, in terms of how do I justify this time away from home. Um, and, I, and it, it kind of turned into what I felt as a release. Seasons kind of come, right? And this restlessness and then the release when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're being called into a new season. Um, and whether or not we're obedient is the question. And so I knew God was calling me. It was a very hard decision to make. But um, as I stepped away from Sanctus Real, um, it was really amazing because I went from doing being gone about 200 days out of the year to about 50 or 60 days out of the year. So it was really when I was able to um, really focus on using my gifts that, you know, not only cultivating some of the things I'd wanted to do for a long time, which is more speaking and writing um, and mix that with the music. But I was able to, to really focus on, on this message that God had given me. And I knew he was calling me beyond a shadow of a doubt to really um, to pursue that message and pursue that journey with other men and other families. Cause that we, we all know the father crisis and the, and the, and the, the crisis of broken families and culture. Um, just to, and, and the reason, you know, I wanted to share this story in it's full form and unpack it was to really give people this, this, this feeling like, Hey, uh, you're not, you're not alone. If you're going through hard seasons of marriage, everybody goes through hard seasons of marriage. Um, there is hope for hard seasons of marriage and, God's grace has certainly covered over us. We tell the most vulnerable, hard stories in this book that I didn't even really want to tell. My wife was like, man, you've got to go deep. So um, that's what my life is like now, speaking at men's and marriage conferences, um, doing... I work with Kirk Cameron on his marriage and parenting events called Living and Reset. I speak a little bit for Family Life Ministries, um, and I do some of my own conferences. And so... That's where my focus is these days, is like helping uh, just equip and encourage families to be stronger and and to build God's kingdom together. You know, I wonder, I was wondering in the middle of all of our conversations, Matt Hammett, we've been focusing so much on your journey and the fact that Sarah was rather underwhelmed with the song initially, (laughs) you know, kind of like, well, that's great, buddy. But, you know, actions speak louder than words. Uh, First question is, how is she doing with this new and improved Hammett family. She loves it, man. She loves having me around. She's actually encouraging me to do a little more, to get out of the house, you know, a little more. So uh, she's uh, she's like, okay, buddy, you know, there's balance here on the other side. No, she, uh, no, she's great. She actually, one of the things that makes this book so special to me is that her voice is in it too. She pops up along the way and says, well, well the way I see it, you know, so it's great because it gives a real look at, at, at our relationship and her voice in my life, which is so valuable. And now, you know, like I guess I've been making this document 
documentary and doing some of the other things that are we get to do dream and do together. Mm, that's wonderful. Um, you said something earlier. I want to circle back around to it because I, 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 I hope you'll punctuate this this statement. You were talking about the fact that. When you played the song, she said, okay, that's fine, but basically actions speak louder than words. Get onto it. What is your message for men now who hear this and say, okay, I know I can and should do better, yeah. but I don't know where to start? <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, the, maybe it's, it's not a question of I know what to do, I just don't want to do it. Yeah. Maybe I don't know where to start. What do you tell that guy? I think, I think, I think it's, it's interesting because I think the very first step is the reality check of am I really who I perceive myself to be? That's the, I think that's the first thing we have to do. Um, and I'll make this really quick, but I love to, this little analogy. I bought one of those workout dice from the store where you throw it on the ground and, it, and it, whatever pops up, you're supposed to do it. So it rolled out of the bag and it was like sitting in my car for two months. And I saw every time it'd say 20 push-ups or whatever on there, right? And in my mind, I was doing 20 push-ups. I felt kind of good about myself. And then I was like, I need to do something. I took it in my house. I sat for another two months. I see sit-ups in my mind. I'm crun- doing crunches, you know, getting ripped on good intentions like and I realized one moment I'm like in my mind I've been working out for four months I see this thing I feel good about having and holding this thing and and but I'm not doing anything and nobody else around me can see the benefits because it's not real it's just all in my head and I think it's the same thing a lot of times I'm like I see my bible you know I see my inspirational books on my bookshelf and all kind of have having these things and holding them makes me feel good about myself but 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 God's calling us to action, right? To do these things. And so I think we have to ask ourselves, am I just holding on to hope? Am I holding on to faith? Am I holding on to good intentions? Am I defining myself by an internal imagined dialogue? Or am I really the person that, that I want to be? And I think coming to grips with the reality of that is the first step that calls us to action to say, you know what? You begin to see who you really are and where you lack. And I think that at that point, that those 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 felt needs in your family begin to declare themselves, and then you have to say, "And I see where this need is in my family. What am I going to do to meet it?" Boy, that's that's powerful, and that will definitely preach because I I <laughs> I often say that in the church, especially the two best forms of exercise are jumping to conclusions and running off of the mouth. <laughs> but but what you've given us a whole new <laughs> vocabulary for that too, because it, it, well, they, you know what they say about the road to hell. And how many of us in the culture where there are so many different things that we can get a hold of to make our lives better and books on the shelf are just good soundproofing. Other than that, they, they, they block out everything else, but they don't really challenge. Uh, Matt Hammett, you've got a word for married couples, too, because obviously it takes two. You know, yeah. when, when Sarah's reaching out to you, you had to respond, but then she had to respond. What's your advice to couples who are yeah. saying, we're in this situation now and we've got, to, we've got to try to fix it? Yeah, I mean, I do really do love it. And it's, it's classic. But Eggerson Emmerich in Love and Respect really does nail it. And that's why the book is a classic of this crazy cycle that we find ourselves in. When we cannot get our communication in line and we feel broken. And we're often in these cycles of contempt and, you know, this lack of love and respect in the way we're communicating with each other. And somebody's got to break that, right? And, and I do, my, my call to men would be, number one, uh, like, just, 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 be quiet for a minute and be patient and hear what she's really saying to you. Receive the whole of it into your heart. I mentioned that earlier. Don't, come, don't hear what you want to hear. Take a minute and, and, and listen to what she's actually saying. And don't say anything. Just listen. Take it into your heart. And for women, I really would say, I think a lot of times when I talk to men, you know, there's always this cultural joke about women kind of, 
being nagging or, you know, it's like that's it's just kind of really, you know, a stereotype per se. But the reason is because sometimes, you know, women get so tired of men not hearing what they're saying that like they, they're they're like they get louder. Right. They get louder. And they say it more or they withdraw. And I would say do everything you can to like show your husband your true heart and feeling. Um, don't let it get masked, masked or disguised with anger or with retreat or withdrawal. Like, like find a way and a time to show your real heart through love and through sincerity. And I think if, if two, a couple can come together, do that. If the man can lay down his defense and the woman can kind of come show her true heart and feelings, I think there's more of a chance there for them to be heard. Great words of wisdom from Matt Hammett, the author of the brand new book called Lead Me, Finding Courage to Fight for Your Marriage, Your Children, and Faith. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Matt, thanks for your transparency. Thanks for being with us and sharing today here on The Bottom Line. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And that concludes my conversation with Christian singer, husband, father, and all-around nice guy Matt Hammett today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, Matt is the author of a book called Lead Me, Finding Courage to Fight for Your Marriage, Your Children, and Your Faith. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we're giving away a copy of the book right now. A great Father's Day gift. If you get your call into Crystal today, we could possibly get that to you in time for this weekend. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, Matt Hammett, the former lead vocalist for Sanctus Real, great Christian music group, uh, and also the author of a book, Lead Me, which is about a conversation he and his wife had about the fact that he was so busy doing ministry that he was basically ignoring his wife and his children. And she said, look, we're here. We just need you to lead us. And that was a very powerful moment for Matt. Eventually it led him to leave the group and uh, focus his attention on other aspects of ministry, starting with his family. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, some final thoughts about the importance of fathers in the home. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now, $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. My thanks again to Matt Hammett, the former lead vocalist of Sanctus Real, for writing the song called Lead Me. I'll never forget hearing that song at a Harvest Crusade, uh, Greg Laurie, several years ago. Uh, the book, Now Lead Me, Finding Courage to Fight for Your Marriage, Your Children, and Your Faith, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. 
And we have a copy of the book to give away uh, in honor of Father's Day coming up this Sunday, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. The first time I heard this song, Matt was singing it at, I mentioned a Harvest Crusade, and that Harvest Crusade was very special for my family and myself because, as I've mentioned on many times on the program before, my first marriage ended in divorce. And uh, my kids and I were kind of going through that kind of weird time when your family's been upended a little bit. And for whatever reason, I'm not quite sure. I mean, all kids grew up in the faith. They went through Lutheran catechism, uh, were baptized, you know, were regular church attenders. But we really felt led to go to the Harvest Crusade that year. And I remember praying over my kids while Matt was singing the song, realizing that I had spent a lot of time when they were younger working a lot and not really being as involved in their lives as I wanted to. And I just said, Lord, please help me to be the dad that each of my kids needs. And over the course of the next 15 years, it's been interesting to see how there have been so many moments where we've been close, the kids and me, and so many times when we haven't been, where there's been estrangement and tears and disillusionment. And yet it's amazing how getting the priority right is, Dad, you be consistent. You be consistent in your walk with the Lord. Uh, let your yes be yes, your no be no. And I'll never forget the words the Lord spoke to me the first time my son left home. And he was doing so on a Sunday morning when I just, for whatever reason, had the day off. He didn't think I did. And he figured that would be the best time to pack up and leave. And and I we our eyes met and I said, do you need any help? And no. And he and his friend packed up and they took off. And I just prayed. I said, Lord, you know, how what can I do to rectify this situation? Because there was a girl involved and there were some other things that were happening there that weren't really great. And the Lord just spoke to me in the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. He said, be the dad he needs. And boy, I'll tell you, that was such great wisdom because it's made it a lot easier for us to navigate. And uh, there's been a lot of repairing of our relationship that's gone on. I'm thrilled about it. Any father and son can have that moment. But then think about why God would say that to me, because God is the perfect heavenly father for us. And when we stray, when we go off the beaten path, isn't it nice to know that we have a father who will be the father that we need in the moment? It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the Santa Claus dad that gives us whatever we want, whatever we put on that special list. He's not going to be the super judgy finger pointing in your chest dad either. He's loving He's righteous, he's holy, he's just, he's fair, and he's very, very merciful. But most importantly, he is forgiving. And he acknowledges the repentance of his children who will turn away from their sinful ways and turn toward him. Just saying, Father, can I come back? Can I come home? Can I turn away from my sin? And he says, yes, you can, because I'm right here. And I will lead you <laughs> like any good father would. That is the good news, and that's the bottom line.